Hi everyone, it's Sam, NFT Statistics, and this is your Proof Daily NFT Countdown. Hope you're having a great day. Today, we're really gonna focus on Blur. I think, you know, Blur has been the most important player in this ecosystem for the past three months, really for six months. And they just made some big moves, had a big impact on behavior yesterday. So I wanna dive in there, give my takes, uh, talk a little about the data that we saw. But first, let's start with a quick market overview. Volumes were up just a small bit. Now, you know, we, you can see here that when we got incentivized bidding, volumes went up something like 10x. We only saw a slight increase yesterday. And I think the reason is that the lending that went on to Blur was only on three projects. If you look at this, the top 24 hour volume, you know, the top three players were those three projects, Rap CryptoPunks, Azuki's, Milady Maker, and then a couple other projects who people maybe are anticipating will get lending uh, on Blur sooner than later. But market share largely with Blur went from about 70% to 75%. And I thought this chart was super interesting. Unique users were actually down. Uh, and I think a lot of people who are really excited about this are jumping in and playing with the lending on Blur. But a lot of people are saying, I don't really know what's going on there. I'm going to take a little while before I figure it out, you know, and then get that. And then eventually we'll probably get back involved. But I think that this chart reflects this. The other thing to know when you see dashboards on Blur, on, on Dune, I'm sorry, is that all the buys that happen from the leverage wallet basically every buy on leverage on blur is from the same wallet. So it may seem like unique users are down a little bit more than they are. I added those back onto this chart. We still saw unique down users down a fair bit. Uh, large cap index was up about 2.5%. Always pumped to get that move higher. It feels like we have a bit more of a bullish environment. I even bought some NFTs yesterday, which I hadn't done for a long time. In terms of what was up, it was the guys that had the lending uh, you know, on their on their collections, Azuki and Punks, and then Bored Apes in anticipation. And what was weak, Moonbirds and Doodles, uh, both down seven or more percent. Mid-cap index was pretty much flat. Not that many projects in the mid-cap index got the incentivized lending. And you also did see incentivized bidding go from 2X to 1X on most of these projects. So uh, a little bit quieter on those projects. Rumble Kong's up, VV Checks up, and Alien Friends were down. And I wanted to show the Milady chart, mainly just because Milady you know, completely took off, went to 3.5 ETH yesterday on the back of the lending coming to Milady and more people being able to buy them on leverage. And then here's Azuki uh, went above 16 ETH. Basically, this is the highest that Azuki has been uh, since May of last year. So about a year, you know, when the, when the floor price got up to 30 ETH, then had a lot of negative news, fought around the project. But since then, uh, it's as high as it has been in terms of our projects. We got a Fidenza sale about 50 ETH. Love to see it. A few Chromie squiggle sales. Other than that, everything did less than 10 ETH of volume. Here's the Fidenza 51 ETH. Really nice looking Fidenza. Uh, Anti-Cyclone for 6 ETH. A Genesis by Claire Silver sold for 5.3 ETH. A little bit lower than where she's been recently. Uh, and then a Memories of Chilin for 3.9 ETH. I think that's one of the first trades I've seen on that project below 4 ETH uh, in a little while. But I think right now there's a bit above for ETH, so maybe it was just a seller who needed to get out quickly. Second story to talk about, Blur takes over lending. You've all seen it. They launched this product blend. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, basically saying, if you want a punk, right now all you gotta do is pay two ETH. Uh, if you want an Azuki, if you have an, if you want an Azuki, all you got to do right now is pay one ETH, uh, and we'll find a lender who will pay the rest. So they kind of knew right out of the gate what it would look like. Now, one thing I want to focus on, because a lot of Twitter is saying lending and NFTs—that's a a bad combination—is that lending is not new. 
what this chart here looks at is NFT5 volumes just on the NFT platform, NFT5 platform. You can see we're almost at 15,000 ETH per month. That's about 30 million US dollars per month of lending. And that's been going on for about a year. And this is only right now about half of the lending that happens. So in the ecosystem as is, we're seeing 50 to $60 million of lending. And it hasn't really hurt the ecosystem that much. It's kind of found its place. It's figured out what the right prices are for loans. Uh, and, the, and the ecosystem has done fine. So this idea of lending isn't that new. And yesterday on the show, I compared Blur to other lending platforms. And I think the biggest thing that I missed, the most important thing, and there are a lot of differences, but the most important thing is that Blur has a $1.9 billion token that they can use as incentives to get lenders to give great terms on loans. And that's what really is making it going to make it so hard for anyone to compete with Blur. The result, you know, because of the Blur token that they're using to incentive, to incentivize is we saw just incredible terms on loans and I'll show you those in a second. And then the second thing is that they have full scale integration. It's never been easier to use a platform you already use, a platform you trust to buy, to take a loan out and buy an NFT instantly. And I think that creates a huge competitive advantage. So how does it work? This here is the Azuki screen and that there is the buy floor button where in the past, if you wanna buy an NFT, you'd have to pay you know 16.35 for that Azuki. Uh, whereas here now they have that green button where it says, okay, actually you can pay 16. 0.35, or you just pay 0.95 ETH, and we'll and we'll find a lender who will give you a loan for the rest of it. If you push that green button, it expands, and you see the different terms. And in this loan example, this is one where you pay 2.3 ETH down, 2.23 ETH down, and you take out a 14.4 ETH loan. And the terms of this loan are zero percent interest. Okay, so here basically you can just buy the Azuki outright, but instead of paying 16.6, you only pay 2.2. .2. Okay, and that's much lower risk. If the floor goes to down 13 ETH, you only or it goes down to 13, you know, and down 3.6 ETH, you only lose your principal. You only lose 2.2. So it's actually right now with these terms so crazy good, you know, all this ETH at 0% APR is actually a really good deal. Now, why are people giving such great terms on these loans? And I think the reason is simple. It's that Blur is paying a ton of Blur incentive points to people who give good terms on loans. Okay, yesterday, you know, I did a bunch of lending offering and I didn't, none of them got accepted. You only get paid, you know, while, while they have not been accepted, but I, I put out some decent loan terms and I got 60 points, 60 blur points uh, just from those lending offers versus 136 bid points. But those bid points have taken me two and a half months to accumulate. So in one day, I got more points from my lending than I got from basically two and a half months of bidding. And I think that that puts into perspective why you're going to keep seeing great terms on these loans. It's because people are going to keep wanting to get great, you know, a lot of points from their lending. Okay. A couple things. What are the big risks here? You know, obviously this is, it's great for borrowers who are getting really cheap access to capital, you know, and for the lenders, you know, they're getting a ton of blur. So maybe they have benefits. What are the big risks? The first is of course that prices go down and the borrowers lose their ETH. So in that example, you know, if I buy an Azuki for 16.6, but I only pay two ETH and the price goes to 13, well, I lose my two ETH. Okay, it would have been worse if I bought the whole thing, but let's say I'm someone who's buying on leverage and buys multiple of these. Okay, then I lose a lot of ETH really, really quickly because they were all bought on leverage. And then the second thing, and this is what I worry a little bit more about as far as an ecosystem level, is that a ton of NFTs will then go to the lenders. And those lenders are the airdrop farmers. We know the people who generally don't want to hold these NFTs for too long. That's kind of what we've seen from airdrop farmers in the past. They get stuck with the NFTs like we saw with incentivized bidding. 
uh, and they end up losing money as well. And then the tack on effect is that all the supply ends up going into the hands of people who we as a community know don't want to hold them. And I think it makes the NFTs a little bit harder to buy when you know there's so much supply, although people can get leverage. So maybe they will buy them uh, anyways. Now, one thing I wanted to look at was this chart here. Okay, because we've seen a price jump and we saw the exact same price jump when incentivized bidding was was brought on. Okay, prices went up in that initial stage. It was all this new liquidity, basically a transfer of wealth from people who were buying the token, you know, to airdrop to airdrop farmers who were then providing exit liquidity or or bidding up the prices of NFTs. Everything seemed great for about a week with incentivized bidding, and then we saw prices really have one of the sharpest downturns that we've ever seen in in, in the history of NFTs. So, to me, the question is: Is that going to happen again here? And I wanted to dig into a couple things. First is what happened then. You know, my view is that incentivized bidding perversely was not what I expected, but actually did end up having a pretty negative impact on prices over that three-month period. And there are obviously a lot of different factors that went into it. But a few of the things that I think made it a difficult environment for NFTs were one, you know, when you got the, those big bids, you know, airdrop farmers bidding on so many NFTs, you saw a supply shift from the people who were long-term holders into the hands of flippers. Okay, so that just, and the flippers, because of the, the incentive dynamic, needed to get their ETH back very, very quickly. Okay. When a ton of flippers or a ton of airdrop farmers get a ton of supply, it kind of keeps real buyers away. Why? Because NFTs are priced based on people's perception of supply and demand. If you think there is a ton of supply in the hands of people who want out quick, you're not going to buy right now for the same reason you wouldn't buy an NFT if a ton of them are listed on the floor. You're just going to wait you know, to see that supply filter into the market first before you actually buy. So I think when you get all these players who have a ton of NFTs, it can actually be negative for perception, which can lead price lower. You know, I've talked about how NFTs are momentum assets. So once that ball starts getting rolling, it can be hard to stop. Vebling goods is a term for assets that people want to buy more of when they get higher price and buy less of when they get lower. I think NFTs have a little bit of that characteristic. And then the last thing here is that a lot, you know, so the game of airdrop farming and of earning blur was so complex uh, that I think a lot of average users who didn't learn it kind of stayed away. They saw some pump and dumps. They saw, you know, tons of people selling all at once. And the average user who, you know, historically had kind of been along for the ride was like, you know what, I'm going to wait for this to be over because I don't really get what's going on. So I think that all that contributed to, to the negativity that we've seen over the past couple, two and a half months. The question is, is that going to happen now? Are we going to see the same thing where we get a nice pump, you know, and then over time things go down? And I think there are some similarities, but also some differences that could make this different. One thing I think is certain is that we need to expect volatility in both directions. You know, when things are going up, people can get leverage uh, and pump that price up higher much more quickly. When things are going down, well, there are a ton of people who have loans that are going to have to liquidate that's going to really accelerate the downside. And we've seen this with Bendow. So I think that is the given. There's going to be more volatility in both directions. The second thing, which I think is different, is that now at least buyers who are buying these projects are the ones who really want to buy that project. Okay. And those are the people who now have more ETH. Okay, so you're going to see, you know, and they can go and they can pick their own NFTs. So you're going to see people who really wanted an Azuki but couldn't get one. Now they have access to ETH, so they can go and buy. I think that that creates the perception that there's more demand and more people end up buying. So I think that that's all positive. It's actually people who like the projects who are going to be doing the buying a, a bit more than people are just bidding for points and then dumping quite quickly. And I think the fact that people can pick their own NFTs, maybe that leads to a bit more differentiation between Grails and Floor NFTs. The flip side, where could this go negative, where I, what I haven't read here, is that on the way down, you know, let's say prices you know, start going down quickly. Right now, there are hundreds of miladies in the hands of 
lend, you know, in the hands of leverage, right? If the price goes down, those are all going to go to the lenders. And we know the lenders are the airdrop farmers. They're the same people you know, who, who did a lot of the bidding before. And we know that those are quick flippers. So you could see a situation where a ton of supply gets transferred to the hands of airdrop farmers who we know are the people who want to flip. And I think that that could have that same negative effect of people saying, oh, geez, too much supply in the hands of people who want to flip, which ultimately is bad for prices. And then the last thing I say is I do think it is a confusing ecosystem that can keep some of the more organic kind of normal players away saying this environment has too many things I don't understand. I'm going to wait till those incentives go away and that's when I'm going to buy. So I think there are some similarities and some differences. How bad could it get on the downside? Well, it's been less than 24 hours and already there are 166 Suzuki's that have been bought on leverage. Okay. There are already 220 Miladies that have been bought on leverage, more than 40 CryptoPunks that have been bought on leverage. So if prices go down, we know that all of those are going to go into the hands of lenders uh, who I think, and I think reasonably so, are the types who are going to want to flip quickly so they can get their ETH back. So that is a bit of the risk. Just to conclude everything, I think that Blur is the best in the business at knowing the user, at innovating, at being super innovative about the UI and creating tools that people want. I also think that incentives distort behavior in unexpected ways. I think when you're paying people a million dollars per day, $2 million per day to do the things you want them to do, eventually they end up trying to figure out how to game that system as opposed to doing the things you want to do. And I saw this at Uber all the time. It can attract people who optimize for incentives and it can repel real users. And those are some of the risks that we see here. But again, and I say this is, and I say this because I do think it's important, is I think that Blur is making the entire ecosystem better with the tools they are building and with building products uh, that so many people want to use. Certainly you're seeing OpenSea up their game as a result of it as well. So I'll leave it at that for that. Last thing to talk about, a few notable sales. Another Skulls of Lucy by Sam Spratt sold for 62 ETH. The buyer here was D's. Uh, I, I kind of love these tweets. He said he put his Ringer ETH to good use because he recently sold a Ringer. Uh, very thankful that someone listed this below the price that people have been saving, especially one that he likes. And then he said he'd never sprinted so fast uh, to his computer after getting a phone call. So congrats to D's. We know that you know some of these skulls have been selling uh, in you know, at higher prices than 62. You know, of course, OSF bought one for 77, I believe, plus the NFT he gave. Uh, you know, so this is actually a pretty good price relative to where Skulls of Lucy have been trading. This piece, Disorder by Xcopy, sold for 196 ETH. I think most of the one-on-ones we've seen have been above 200 ETH, other than the one that recently sold on a Sotheby's auction. So a little bit lower than where they've been. This wasn't one of the super early pieces. It's one of the only pieces uh, where he experimented with triangles, some kind of interesting things going on here. But, uh, you know, and, and interesting to see this go and interesting to see these one-on-ones going a little bit below 200 ETH. Thanks to Nucci, who always... Uh, gives me hints on X copy. Anytime a sale happens, I, I, I text him to see what he thinks of it. And then this last piece I want to talk about, Afraid by Haru Komoda, sold for five ETH. Uh, that is a pretty decent price for his work. He has had sales at seven ETH before, a bunch of them recently at five, but nice to see a sale kind of in this market towards the higher end of his historic range. A little bit about, about this artist. Doesn't say a whole lot on his profile. Says he's the founder of Hakabochi, which is a production team based in Japan. I believe the artist is Japanese, but really cool, kind of fun work with a lot of color and movement. So awesome to see that sale. That is all from me today. I hope you enjoyed the show. I know I talked a lot. I hope it wasn't too confusing. Hit me up on Twitter though. Feel free to DM me uh, if you have any thoughts. If you disagree with what I say, I'm always open to different types of feedback. Like our video below. Give us a comment. Tell us what you think in the comments. I already said that. Subscribe to the channel. It's been a long day. We'll see you tomorrow and every weekday. Have a great day.